Hello and welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode 68. I'm your host, Em. With me is regular co-host, Jackson. Hello! We are recording an episode, like, three weeks early. Jackson, have you played any video games that are not the ones we were going to talk about in the intervening <laughs> week since we last recorded? <laughs> Absolutely not. Are you kidding That's me? That's fair. That's fair. Um, what if, have I, have I played anything? I've been playing, uh... What is it? Hidden Folks? Hidden Folks is a Steam and iPad game. It's like a hidden object game, but it's very cute. I highly recommend it. If you want a chill game for your iPad, uh, that's what I'd recommend. It's on Steam, but I don't know. Why play a hidden object game on anything other than like a touch device? IMO. I lied. There's been two games. Oh, what did you play? Words with Friends. Jackson, fuck off. (laughs) Yeah, like, what do you want? I played some Words with Friends. That's fair. No. I, I played exactly five minutes of destiny and then turned it off oh do you play the destiny 2 beta no i just loaded up actual destiny and was like all oh, right it's fun to shoot people but it's insufferable are you gonna play destiny 2 oh there's a higher possibility than i want to admit to myself okay fair enough but eventually i'll probably get it on pc all right we're recording early because next month we are playing a very long game and we wanted extra time to work on it uh if you've been following along you know what it is if not stay tuned to the end of the episode we're just going to get right into it we have five slash seven depending on how you want to count them games we're covering this week and we're going to go through them one by one they're going to be short they're probably all going to be separated by a bit of music so we're just going to like motor on through them uh hopefully this will be a relatively short episode um, because of that, but who knows? Maybe we'll talk forever about one of them. Who knows? I wonder which one. I actually don't know which one. I feel like we could just flip a coin and be surprised. But uh, we'll see you on the other side of this musical break, and we will get into the first of our games. Fishing, A Tale of Redemption, a mobile game released by Vlambeer. Uh, this came out in 2013 on iOS and Android. Uh, doesn't matter the month because they're different depending on platform, which is stupid, but that's how mobile games work. Uh, this is a game in which you are a fisherman. You have to, like, you cast your reel and then you have to guide the reel with tilt controls down without hitting any fish to the greatest depth you can go. And then you have to pull back up and collect as many fish as possible, but avoid jellyfish. And then once you pull them out of the water, you throw them up in the air and then you have to shoot them all, which is how you destroy them to get the money you use to buy upgrades to do all of that better over and over again. It's like a take on, I don't want to say like tapper games, but almost like uh, like incremental casual Farmville style games, but with like a very arcade bent. Uh I feel like this was before, I mean, I, I don't know what the timeline is, I might be getting messed up, but this was before, like, clickers and tappers really took off as a thing. Yeah, yeah, but, like, like uh, Facebook games in the way that, like, we're, I'm using it here totally existed. Oh, yeah, no, it is a game about doing a thing to make the numbers go up to do more of the thing to make the numbers go yeah. up. Uh, 
famously, and I, I feel like it's kind of fallen out of the conversation as time has shaken all this out, but uh, the original like demo version of this game was like a uh, Flash game called Radical Fishing, and then they were working on the app version, and some other company uh, came out. Uh, yes, Game Knots released Ninja Fishing, which was basically the exact same mechanics uh, with different art. There was like a clone of this game and they got in under Ridiculous Fishing and it caused a big brouhaha in the game sphere uh, about clone games that never went anywhere because you can't beat capitalism with discourse. And uh, then this game came out and it was very popular. And, and you know, what are you going to do? Yep. Worth noting. Uh, but uh, this has been recommended to us twice by uh, one of our patrons. Um, you can suggest games, of course. Patreon.com slash the Marvel Mapping. Um, we decided to play it. I played this game when it came out, but it never finished it. Um, because uh, the like end game of this game is really annoying. But, uh, I, you know, this game's got style in a way that ugh, I feel like mobile games have really gotten away from. from like Because they're either like trashy kingdom battle games or they're like the most high art sterile graphic design bullshit uh a game with like this many colors and pixel art going on uh this is like the kind of thing i think would be on like steam or like a 3ds and not on mobile anymore uh it feels ancient yeah it, this game feels so old in a really kind of sad way because uh, there's a lot to like about it and there's lots of just the things that you don't see on mobile anymore like the the era of mobile games being a, a place to play small arcadey games i feel has like completely gone uh, and given hold to games with energy timers that i mean energy timers always there but like watch ad to do thing to get thing to you know have a higher percentage chance of unlocking a loot crate uh and so this game being kind of like very simple with its treadmill and just you do the thing and then you can get more things and then you do the thing again and that's it. It just feels so old. Uh, mobile games move so fast. Yeah. Uh, um, like a lot of this game reminds me of Jetpack Joyride, which is a game I played when it was new. But you, I remember mentioning maybe last year, maybe early this year, that you had gone back to Jetpack Joyride and it is an entirely different game now. I mean, it's the same game. It's still Jetpack Joyride. You still go through, but they have 100%, in the same way that they've done for all those games, like Fruit Ninja and Angry Birds and stuff, the progression mechanics have been changed enough that they are no longer as solid as they once were. Like, Jetpack Joyride is a game where you collect coins, and when you collect coins, you can buy enough stuff to go further as you run down the uh, way with your jetpack. Um, but one of the things you can buy is a coin doubler, and you always want to buy the coin doubler because it just means that you get double the coins, and it's a small purchase, and that's the only thing you ever buy in the game that's done. That is no longer feasible. There is, like, an ad system. Uh, the prices of stuff have been increased by, like, two factors of ten. Uh, there's so much more specifically separate treadmills it's not like they've made the treadmills longer but everything's been categorized up uh and they've definitely modernized it in that sense so you can't go back and play old jetpack joyride which is a real bummer because jetpack joyride's great yeah uh, most mobile games that exist have been updated to include the quote-unquote innovations so you can't really experience the what they used to be which is a shame yeah and the, like, one thing this game had done from its initial outset is contain a lot of those more free-to-play energy-based mechanics that strip out all of the ideas of energy. Uh, so 
you know, there's no in-app purchases. The game just costs a few bucks, and then you play it, and you get to go through the upgrade tree, and then you're done. And that's kind of just what it is. Uh, this That sort of, like, faith that these sorts of upgrade systems and arcade mechanics can be enough to sustain a game also feels very old. I feel like any game today just needs a better slash different hook than this. Yeah, no. Like, what's that? 10 million? That couldn't happen anymore. Uh, uh yep. That game is great, but it can it's only because it ends. <laughs> Yeah, and that's kind of how I feel about Ridiculous Fishing. I'm really glad that it ends where it did, because I thought you'd have to complete all four areas, and you don't. And, nope. God, that uh, it turns out when I played this game originally, I was very, very close to the end, and just because the messaging was like such that I thought I had a whole other pond or maybe more to clear, I had never even come close to, like, I was like, oh, I'm so exhausted, I'm done with this game. And I was probably very near to the end, like a couple more dives until I was there. Yeah, the problem with Ridiculous Fishing uh, is that as you go on, because the game is about... One, it's about tilt control, so it kind of hurts your hand to play. Uh, yep. And two, the loop of the game is these small things, but because it's one of these games, it go it gets longer every time. You dive yeah. for 700 meters uh, to get to the thing at the end of the third area, which means that every run is about, uh, about two, three minutes down, uh, a minute up, and then upwards of three four minutes in the air depending on how good your guns are and how many fish you've got like yep. it becomes an actual ordeal which means if you fuck up at 650 meters uh and don't reach the bottom you're like fuck this i'm done i'm out this game sucks i hate everything uh and then you don't you don't get the final thing but luckily it is right on the cusp of when you get sick of it the game finally gives you an upgrade when you get sick of it the game finally ends uh i think they stretch the gap between all those things about as far as it could feasibly go yeah uh but thankfully it is finite it does give you a nice cutscene, and then you're like oh i beat the f- yeah you, I beat you the fish, fish out you fish out your paw and yeah. you get his hat <laughs> i don't know why he wrote thank you son inside his hat before he got frozen <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's a miracle of love jackson have you no wonder in your heart i know it's true no wonder in my heart yeah uh, yeah, to me, like, the actual worst part of all of this is the part where you shoot all the fish, because it's a great joke the first couple times, and then it's the most tedious part. Oh, it's... Re- so, I don't like tilt controls in general, but at least that yes. part of the game is, uh... It's it's like it's the game. It is what you do. You want to be. It's avoiding. engaging, and if it, it feels like a thing you can you get better at, you can't get better better at just touching the fish with your finger. I mean, you can, but the only way of getting better is being better at recognizing when to let off to let the jellyfish drop so you can't shoot oh sure but it's not it's not interesting in the same way no because the only way you get better is to avoid hassles that were only put there to give you something to do with the shooting part yeah um it's such that when you go down you end up targeting most of the fish with your drill so that you don't have to bother shooting them because <laughs> yep. if you drill through them you get the money instantly yeah do you get as much? I always assumed you got less, but I honestly didn't check it. No, you get as much. You get the same amount. Oh, okay. Huh. I don't think I would have made that choice, but okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's the right choice to make. You, sh- you shouldn't incentivize drilling through the fish. You're always going to have fish to shoot. It's fine. Oh, I would have the value, and then in the, have the amount that the jellyfish take out, no. and then you're incentivized to drill through the fi- jellyfish. Oh no! Because because the amount isn't changed, drilling through the jellyfish is the thing you don't want to do. I know. I think I would have changed that. I think the drilling leaves a lot to be desired. But you know what are you gonna do? Eh, I, 
I love drawing because once you I get, think it, I think it mostly exists as like a tra- fast traversal mechanic because the lure is too slow. The lure is too slow, and once you get a full drill and you like make it past a certain point, you just hold the drill button and then you make it down to the bottom. <laughs> yep. Uh, I think that's kind of about it. Uh, the one thing that is hilarious to me and is totally reveals this game age. It has a fake Twitter in it. And you can read the tweets and then retweet them onto your own feed as if that's a thing anyone would want to do ever. But remember when Sword and Sorcery came out and for like two weeks, everyone just retweeted all the jokes of that game out into their feed. And then you never had to play it. True. And the way you retweet them is you press the retweet button and it says RT at fake at. (laughs) I'm fishing at the, you know. I think that's it. I think that's all I have, unless you have something else. No, that's my take on ridiculous fishing. Just uh, it's it's cool. It's cool. Our second game in our grab bag is Burn Band, which is a game from September 23rd, 2014. As it says here on this game job page, it was made by Tom Vandenbogart. Uh, and it is a game where you walk around a city in space, or it's definitely an alien city, and you walk around it, and that's the whole game. The whole game is this city. It is a game, it is the most pure of the walking simulators from this era. So you remember when you watched the prequel Star Wars films and they get to Coruscant and you're like, man, like I remember hearing about a citywide planet and it always seems so evocative. And yet they're here and this place sucks so much. (laughs) Burn Band is the antidote to Coruscant. (laughs) Burn Band is the antidote to Coruscant? (laughs) Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Is it not? It is, but that's just a good phrase. (laughs) It's my Uh, album. Like... Burnman is a Unity game and it's rendered in very like lo-fi 2D pixel art. So you're walking through these very sparse environments and then like your hands are always out in front of you as these like weird misshapen pixel shapes and everyone is like a weird 2D pixel person and they don't you can't interact with anything and you just kind of walk through and enjoy the sights and sounds of an alien city. But because of that, they're like the dichotomy of like great cavernous halls where no one is and packed full of people jazz clubs where there's some strange alien in a corner wailing on a space saxophone and the milling about streets and the flying cars going down the highway and all of these things jammed together where like every elevator you take dumps you into an entirely different space visually and like sonically and how it all ends up feeling like facets of a place you can live in burn band is really special it's like one of my favorite small games that i've ever played yeah it's we played this when it came out and we loved it then and we still love it now um it is a game about the moments of to me it's about the moments of transition from one space to another it's about walking out of a very very loud club and then just onto uh, a walkway over a uh, like highway of floating cars and it captures these moments like it captures these moments so perfectly with the, especially the transition of sound like you go from this kind of blurry uh, loud music to just the noise of the space city 
uh, and it's all about those moments. There's no, there's no end. There's no plot. There's nothing but the space, and the space is so good. <laughs> yeah, the space is fantastic. I just want to, I just want to grump on the sci-fi games to get this wrong, like Mass Effect. <laughs> yep. No, we definitely. Like you say it's the antidote to Coruscant and it is, but for both of us it is like both of our favorite parts of Mass Effect is the part where you go into the Citadel in Mass Effect One because there's nothing. It's of course it's that. There's nothing better in the entire series, uh, and this just with like a couple of lines and well used bits of audio even blows that completely out of the water. It's like actually evocative of space in a way that no big game will ever allow itself to be because it's too focused on giving you stuff to do. Yeah, and it's much more evocative something like Omega and Mass Effect 2, but because it can be just a sprawling, confusing mess and doesn't have to be, like, you go left or you go right to the two factions and each one has some side quests for you, it just ends up feeling like, even though there's so much less space to interact with, it ends up feeling lived in and lively in a way that none of those highly rendered, detailed cities can. Mm -hmm. Because the spaces only exist in order to be spaces that uh, connect to each other when you go through uh spaces in big games when you like go out of the club in omega and walk just to that main bit past the landing way where there's like a bunch of people standing it's like it's a transition from area to area but it doesn't it doesn't feel like when in burn band you walk out in and you walk out of i think into an elevator and there's that floating orb and suddenly yeah. everything's kind of quiet and the orbs there and you no one knows what the also, orb does. Every single time I've played that game, I have walked under the orb and forgotten that it just leads to a pit down into the like the ventilation shaft. <laughs> Good. Well done. I I've played through this game like three separate times, like when we first played it now, and there was some time in the middle where I was like, let's just play Burn Man. And every time I'm like, oh the orb. And I walk up to it and be like, oh, can I interact with it? And then forget that the floor falls out from under you when you do that. Hoisted. <laughs> you know? And then you crawl through a bunch of ducks and all that like that dumps you out in like an alien like restroom where there's just a guy peeing in a urinal, and it's great. Like the the weird underbelly that it exposes of that place that's still like Everything about it is still of a type, but in this weird montage, like, so much of that game is the transition from space to space feels like a deliberate editing cut. And we'll talk about that stuff more when we talk about one of our games coming up. But uh, this game also feels like it uses your ability to move from space to space elevator-wise as, like, montage itself. And it just gives you, like, even though you probably do not see all of the city of Burn Band, you feel like you have seen all the aspects of it. And I really like that. The best moment in Burn Band for me was uh, when I had walked around the city and I walked down this pit and ended up kind of like going down uh, a hole and landed um, back at the bar that was right outside where I started. Yeah. Uh, and so I obviously immediately just went back on my route and went back, quote unquote, home. And the feeling that gave me of like, I've been on a journey around the city and then I've come back to where I was and now I feel like I'm done was just something that happened by the way I went for a walk and the way that the game was able to through those transitions through its like minimalist uh, portrayal of space and atmosphere, the way it was able to like convey that was really powerful. I am very happy that that game still plays as well uh, as well as it did in 2014 when uh, when we played it for the first time. Because yeah. one of the things about this whole episode has has been that we don't really like this these kind of games going through and playing them. This is a thing that we used to do a lot more, uh, and that I kind of miss. 
and so we've done it again and it yeah it just feels like a thing from a few years ago that was way more pronounced you know hashtag alt games or whatever yeah i mean back when i used to like read a lot of like indie static before that site blew up uh yep yeah uh different times different times yeah. And, like, there are places to find the small games now, but I feel like the volume on those have just been... Like, as the amount of them has increased, I feel like none of them get as, like, belovedly talked about the way games used to be in that space. Uh, there's still some, but, yeah, it's not as belovedly talked about. And also, mm. the ones... The, game, the games that blow up are your, like, Undertales and your uh, Dream Daddies. Like, it's the games that are, like a, like, a bigger production that is sold for money. I don't feel like small games blow up much anymore. Yeah, no, I mean, the... The, what has changed has been the the level of polish on smaller stuff and the way that that has like been rising to the fat point that these this kind of level has almost been like shrunk again, which is a shame. Uh, but then I, I I say it's a shame, but I also don't seek them out. Like if I suck sort them out more, I would be able to speak more. Uh, like were you about to say because if I sucked them out? I no, I was going to say sunk them out, which is even okay. worse. I can't <laughs> talk. No, it's fine. I was just, I was very confused as to where that word would have gone. No, it was gonna be sunk, but then I realized okay. that's not the, that's not the the syllable at all. <laughs> but that's burn band. It's still great. I urge you to go and play it, even if you've yeah. like we've not spoiled it. Just go to walk around the city. There's nothing to spoil. It's beautiful. Again, a Patreon suggestion is Radiator 2, which is a collection of small games by Robert Yang uh, that came out on Steam uh, to uh, some infamy and acclaim. Uh, this game is banned on Twitch. You cannot stream it there. Or at least that used to be true. I don't know if that's still true. I assume it is because Twitch sucks. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's true. Uh, this, this is a collection of three short games. Those games are Hurt Me Plenty, Succulent, and Stick Shift. They all came out prior to this. This game uh, came out July 16th, 2016. Uh, Robert Yang, if you do not know, is known for making games that are about gay culture and uh, like gayness and male gaze as a thing. Um, gaze with a Z, not <laughs> YS. <laughs> Words. Yes. I'm good at them. I'm very good at them. Um, Somewhere in our archives, and I didn't actually bother to look it up, uh, we talked briefly about Hurt Me Plenty when it was originally released standalone. Uh, that was when Destiny was on the cast. Uh, we probably won't find that. But if you've listened to everything, we've mentioned it before. Um, we'll probably just go through these in order. Hurt Me Plenty is like a a game about navigating a like BDSM situation where you are spanking your sexual partner. And 
the the game is you negotiating how that's going to go and then going into the activity of doing it and then some aftercare is you gently rub their shoulder and make them feel better uh it it plays as like a almost like somewhere between a YOR mini game and like almost a like not quite a rhythm game but almost a rhythm game there's something very rhythmic about all of these games that we're going to talk about uh in that they don't like punish you for not following the rhythm per se but they are all like time to music and all very rhythmic motions you have to repeat over and over again uh as part of like i suppose the like fetishization uh and activities of sexual activity being like you know short repeated motions over and over again mm-hmm. uh, and like translating that into a game is pretty easy if you just move the stick up and down over and over again to shake this person's hand as you discuss how you're going to beat them up <laughs> you do have to you shake the hand for a long time yeah, I mean, it's a long negotiation. I don't think I would be comfortable shaking anyone's hand that long. Um, my hands are very dry, and I feel like most people's hands are very sweaty, and I'm really grossed out by sweaty hands, so... Mm-hmm. The palms are sweaty. I don't... My hands... My palms are almost never sweaty. <laughs> we have to carry on before I keep referencing m <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the thing with Hurry Plenty um, in its, like, new form is... I don't, I don't remember that negotiation aftercare stuff being in there. It's just kind of the, like spanking and if you do it too hard you fail and it locks you out right yeah uh the steam the steam description for radio 2 says that Hervey plenty has been substantially redesigned mm-hmm. um so i never played the original uh that is the game that you and destiny talked about oh okay but uh, a lot is new i'm told but yeah there's three sections and then yeah you... i remember there only being the middle section in the original game that is what i, re- I remember the big thing about that game being if you if you mess up and uh, go to overspank, hard, yeah, and overspank, the game locks you from playing it for a like up to a week. Like it was actual real time. No, yeah, it's weird that they brought Death Spank back as a character based shooter. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> fuck you, fuck you, Death Spank references. Or, I can't make a references to your knees being weak and your palms being sweaty. That's too much. I never said you were the one who wanted to stop yourself. I didn't say you had to stop making eight mile references. You can make as many eight mile references as you want. (laughs) I would not have stopped you. Death spank. Jesus. (laughs) There are people listening that have no idea what death spank is. They are better people for it. (laughs) They are better people for it. It's true. Oh, <laughs> of all the ways to derail the podcast i'm sorry <laughs> were you saying something i think you were saying something uh, do prob- you remember probably i just um i mean we'll get to this later but uh hurt me plenty and the next game didn't really like connect with me like i get them but they're just fine uh and i would feel bad about that if i the final game is where this whole thing clicked with me <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we'll just move on to the middle game then, which is Succulent, which is a, like, it's described as like an interactive music video, um, yeah, short interactive music video game where you are a guy in the, like, it's three identical men who are shirtless, uh, or they're actually just wearing underwear and sunglasses, and uh, they, like, two of them are standing behind the character you control, and that character is standing there with a popsicle that you can put in his mouth to suck on and as you do that the like weird heaven space you're in grows brighter and brighter and music picks up and the popsicle goes away and then the men begin to start like dancing and then turning into weird monstrosities it it is like 
of all the like i mentioned that hurt me plenty is kind of warrior-esque this is the most warrior game just stretched to absurdity where you just keep sucking on this popsicle for like five minutes and like it, it is like it goes from like funny to gross to weird to like kind of beautiful to gross again um <laughs> It is definitely a thing. By the end, by the time the pop school is going like down and you're finishing it, like the characters behind you are dancing in such a way that they like their bodies cannot handle. That like the animation rigging is just like they are Thunderbird puppets being shaken crazily. Yeah. Uh, and and then obviously, and you finish the pop school and it's a big crazy thing and like your face melts. Yep. <laughs> and that's where we end. Uh, yeah. It's it's pretty direct about what it is. I feel like it's yeah. a very self-explanatory game. I, I have never had a popsicle quite this good, but, you know, maybe someday. I'm looking forward to it. I don't think this game's about popsicles. I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> He puts the popsicle in his mouth, and he eats it, and, like, his cheek... You can, like, poke it into his cheek, and his cheek will expand. That's what was added, apparently, is the cheek physics. <laughs> the cheek physics are key! Yeah, and another key. Um, it like is someone... every. It is like I like that it's every like juvenile sex joke about blowjobs, but like in this like innocent context and still deliberately that. I like that someone looked at this game. Maybe Robbie Yang. Maybe someone helping him. Maybe I don't know who made the decision, but someone said, "You know, the one thing you need is the cheek physics, right?" You know. <laughs> and and they were not wrong. They were not wrong. Yeah, I, th- this one is like the most disposable of all three of these games, but it, it is fun and silly in its own way. Yes. Uh, it is also very similar to Stick Shift, which is the third game, which is a similar idea of like portraying the repeated motions and journey of uh, like a sexual act through a music video type situation, except Stick Shift is amazing. <laughs> So stick shift, you uh, play as this guy who is getting into a car, and you, you, it starts with him turning on the car. And the left side of the screen is like it is a split screen. And the left side of the screen is his face as he's driving, and like lights are cast on his face, and he can kind of look around, and he's nodding his head to the music. And then the right side of the screen is the stick shift and the two gears for like your speed and your RPMs as you slowly stroke the stick up and down um and as you in- like once you hit the revs to increase gear like the music grows more intense and the lights grow more intense until it becomes kind of like this delirious experience where this character is like floating in a void and his lights are his eyes are like shining like headlights and it is this marriage of like cruising culture through like cars are sexy and driving around looking for people to pick up is sexy and uh like just actual sexual activity and like the hand job and everything about it like marries together to be this really great abstraction of uh eroticism in a way that i don't think i've seen a video game do before and this is the one i feel like i understand robert yang's whole deal now with this game this game is really good yeah because i played the other two i was like i get it i understand like help me plenty is a game about uh, less about like sexual activity as something that is being systemized or represented, and more about the idea of consent negotiation in, uh, like in a spagging situation. Um, yeah. But um, second is definitely the same kind of idea of you move the the popsicle up and down as the thing gets closer. Like the metaphor is the same, but with stick shift, like the way. There are multiple things that make it really work. There's the fact that you are separated or the, the avatar is separated from the stick. Like that, the screen separation creates this like sense of intimacy between the two characters. Like mm-hmm. the, the thing that is happening is a secret as you're driving a car. Uh, yeah. 
the way in which the gear shifts work is great because each time uh, it nails the feeling of a good gear shift which is something that like games do in general uh i've i don't know i've if you've played any need for speed game with drag races it also feels incredibly good to hit the drift at the right part or to hit the gear change at the right part of the rpm like that is a thing that games have nailed and this uh, brings that feeling over like one for one um but puts it in a very different context uh and each time the shift gets like more and more pronounced to the point where there's 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 five gears on on the gear stick but when you hit the fifth gear and the further you get up like the sixth gear like begins to appear in a blaze of light yeah that is revealed to you and the worst thing happened to me and they overshot it <laughs> and so as i was about to like finish the the game complete everything uh and like shift into the final gear I bottomed out and I had to start completely again. It was the worst feeling. So the thing that this makes me feel like the way that in which like the game grows more intense as you shift up the gears is this actually evokes to me like res uh, where each level you descend as you go through each res stage, uh, the music becomes more intense. Like everything is cleared away that you have been dealing with and you're presented like a new paradigm for the music to wash over you and the activity, which doesn't change, become like a more intense, more engaging thing as it like, it's almost like hypnotism where it draws you deeper into this very simple activity if you are ready to be carried in on it. Um, and this game totally does that where as you get towards like four or five and six, like the intensity of like the music and the abstraction of what is happening to the driver and is all intensified through this very simple activity that's the same thing you've been doing at the same pace like none of it changes it's not more difficult or anything but it just draws you in and in until it is like enrapturing and you blow it or you succeed yep i um going from uh fourth gear to fifth gear i did it too early because i didn't realize that your speed also like went in on it so as soon as i hit the rpms to switch i switched gears and that was a big mistake uh and then cops showed up and stopped me which is what happens when you fail uh in this game oh, and no. so you get the flashing lights and the car like the cop car behind me and then it cuts to like the bad end i guess where your car is pulled over and the cops like standing outside your window and you're looking up at him and you get a timer that's almost like hurt me plenty is like you spanked too hard uh like lockout timer where like for me it was like it's like a minute and a half and it's just you looking at the cop and then if you press the button you the driver blows a kissy face at the cop he's just like uh and it just adds a minute to the timer and you can just keep hitting that button it'll add a minute every time uh <laughs> and this idea of like this character that's like doing this thing that you know in many states probably still is illegal but definitely for the majority of the last century has been like a thing that you cannot do you will get arrested for gay activity uh he's just driving around living his life having this experience and then when the cops show up he's fucking blowing kisses at them like this driver is a hero i love it <laughs> yes the driver is a hero he owns and then if you manage to successfully shift into sixth gear uh it turns into like this giant experience of light and speed and then cuts to the drive like the car pulled over and the driver smoking as like the exhaust from the car drips out of like the uh 
I guess just the exhaust, right? Yeah. Where there's like liquid dripping out of the exhaust that is like limp, and it you know it implies that the the driver came or oh, the what car you came, saying? whatever. What are you saying? <laughs> yes, that's fine. And gives you like another timer that is like, oh, you can't go again. Of course you can, because <laughs> you're already done. And I love that like dual mechanic of either way you're getting locked out, uh, because sex is a thing that has to be like approached in its own time and place, mm-hmm. uh, and. Like so much of this it ends up being like the metaphor is so much more elegant and the game itself it like really presents like the perfect situation to drive it home. That I I really like this yeah. game and I was not expecting to. The stick shift is fantastic. I love it a lot. Yep. Um so people talk about Robert Yang's games uh so much and have since he's been making them as like this exploration of a new culture that's not really represented in games, but this one to me really nails it and when when you play this one and look back at the rest of the package like what this ends up being is like an like rediscovering historical gay culture through video games mm-hmm. um so much of uh what people do is like capturing a moment of now uh but this game like the, these three games to me speak to like a gay experience that kind of has like mostly gone away in a lot of spaces it's very uh, offline yeah this is very offline very like 70s 80s cruising culture like bears and like like very butch gay men experience in a way that like i feel like queer culture online especially for men is is like very like either feminized or like decentralized in that way it's not about like flannel shirts and chest hair going around looking for a score it's very different to the, to the point where looking like for an outside looking in for this collection i was worried i was just going to really completely bounce off these games because of my mm-hmm. own like experience with queerness and how completely separate from like that culture it is uh but instead like i mean i bounced off from the other two but not in any like oh i don't like this way uh and then stick shift really connected and i thought it was excellent yeah um, uh but it, it is nice to see a like a game like this uh it, like bring back like this historical sense like yeah. we like Every Assassin's Creed is, like, built on a sort of, like, historical fetishism, and we have a thousand games about every war that's ever happened on Earth. But just see, like, this is old gay culture, given that same kind of, like, representation is really nice to see. it. It's, like, a new way to think about, like, historical games or cultural games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, to me, is, like, really interesting. Because I don't, I don't expect this is, like, Robert Yang's or anyone's necessary experience in 2017. Um, but it's still the experience of a lot of people. And it's like an experience that I feel like as young careers on the internet, we're kind of detached from like, this doesn't represent us. You look at it and you're like, Oh, this isn't, this isn't me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is nice to see like this it, presented in such a way where it can become relatable and can become a thing that you interact with and like gain something from. Yeah. It is good. Yep. Uh, this game is free on steam. Uh, so definitely play for it. It's or play it. It's really good. Uh, I know that he is, like, assembling a Radiator 3 collection. I assume there's a Radiator 1. I don't actually know. Pro- I mean, uh, logic would dictate. <laughs> yeah. I am not a super up on Robert Yang for the exact reason that I played Hermione Planet and kind of bounced off of it. Yep. Um, but I, I should go back and play some of his games now that I feel like I understand them a little more. For sure. Same. <laughs> fourth game in the grab bag is gravity bone which is a game from blendo games 
uh, who is Brandon Chung, or Brendan Chung, I think, is the way to say Brendan, that. Yes, Brendan Chung. Brendan. Uh, with an E. With an E, yes. Uh, and it is a game in which you play as Citizen Abel going through spy missions. Uh, it, it's a game that is a in the same series as 30 Flights of Loving, which is a game that came out in 2012. This came out in 2008. 30 Flights of Loving is uh, a, I would say, a slightly more well-known and more referenced game, but Gravity Bone came before it uh, and is very cool. We like it a lot. Part of, part of that is uh, 30 Flights of Loving came out in such a different era for these types of games, but also 30 Flights of Loving was a tat, like it was part of the stretch goals of the Idle Thumbs Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was produced as like they were like we're gonna get Brendan Chung to make a game because they were some of the people who most championed uh, Gravity Bone. That's how I encountered it yep. through uh, Idle Thumbs talking it up. Yeah, and the because four... I definitely never played a game like this when I played this one. <laughs> yes, no, and the four years between them definitely separates like what these games are. Uh, this game comes out of a basically a quake modding scene that is where. Brendan Chung this just this just runs in the Quake 2 engine. Yeah, it's just a Quake 2 game. And it is a game that feels like an old PC game. Uh, before you get to... Did you go into the graphics options and see, like, the thousand, like, very delicate id-tech graphics yes, options? I did not. I just played the video game. If, so if you go into graphics options, there's just a couple. But there's, like, an advanced options that is clearly just built into the engine. Yes. And it's just a laundry list of, like, field of view and a bunch of, like, weird acronyms. I don't understand what they do. And it's it's the most intense thing oh. for a game in the last ten minutes. It's really good. Perfect. Yep. Uh, but no so this game you go through these levels uh, as the spy and you go through this very short narrative that is very good but one of the things that really stuck out to me about it uh, and considering it and 30 flights of loving and like what i said about burn band is the connection between a scene of um like shooter mods and making cool things in shooter mods and then the scene of making small uh audio games of early 2010s like 2012 time where 30 flights of loving came out there's a direct line between those things these are those are basically the same scene in a lot of ways but i feel like that connection is not one that is concrete or thought about very often um, well yeah i mean it's easy to forget because no one played like mods on pc in the late 90s and early aughts but so much of we're going to build a doom wad ended up becoming what if we took out the enemies and then scripted the doom wad to tell you a story directly into something like this <laughs> yeah and like one day we're gonna go down the doom the doom mod hole we'll do a doom mod episode at some point that is on our list uh yeah. But when we have like two months to properly do it. Yeah, we have to take the time to do it properly. We have to consult Doom Mod experts. But no, Gravity Bone itself is this game about this short narrative. There are two missions. The first one you have to uh, like get some poison and deliver the poison to the man with the red hair. Uh, at like at like this like nice veranda dinner party like on a mountain there's like this lodge and you're just like on the giant balconies where there's like waterfalls and yes. beautiful glass railings at and the, at that blood money level yeah it's literally yeah. straight out of hitman blood money it's the same level yep except it's not snowy it's very sunny it's very sunny uh, but it oh. definitely gives me a similar feel to Hitman of walking around big crowds as a spy even though there's none of the hitman mechanics like well, all of 
all of the Citizen Abel games are of this type where it's very much like 70s spy fiction, like sun-drenched South American countries as like an aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that stuff is like prevalent through all of his games, I feel like. But this one definitely like lands it very strongly where it just feels like you were in the coolest space possible. But it's probably like a weird like Banana Republic where you are like an American or probably an English person interacting with all of these places that you've colonized. Yeah, no, it's definitely uh, wars between different colonial forces going on in spy fiction. Like, at the end of this game, you are betrayed, or not even betrayed, you're just attacked by a lady who's after the same intel that you are. Yep. Uh, and it's just one of those spy stories. Um, it All all the narrative is much like Third Effects of Loving would go on to be very acclaimed for, is portrayed through cuts uh, in, like, a final sequence. Um the ways in which it presents its missions to you as light as they are is very, uh, like, very clearly jazz punk took a lot from it. Like, the weird... Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, you're, you're given you're given a, like, a card that's told that tells you get to the furnace room. So you get to the furnace room, and in there is, like, a reel-to-reel player in a briefcase that is a voice that is heavily distorted telling you your mission that is always, like, something really concrete. But in, like, the first mission, it's like, oh, deliver the poison glass to the man in the red hair. And you do it, and then the game explains what you did, and it's the most wild shit in the universe. Because you you put, there was a bug in the drink, but the bug is from space, and it, it releases a poison gas when the person, in, like, imbibes it. Yep. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> you could have just put poison in the glass. No, why would you do that? Nope. And then the second mission, you're like, it's like, take, it's like, oh, you need to gather intel. Please take photos of five birds. And so you go into these rooms that are locked. So you have to like ice the lock and then hit it with a hammer. But inside are just secret plans on every table front. But you have to take a picture of the bird in the cage. Yes. And then once you do, the bird like chirps at you and then explodes. <laughs> yep. And you don't ever take a picture of the secret plans. Like, I guess you theoretically can, but it's not your mission. (laughs) Yeah, but the idea that you were being sent into these secret plan rooms only to take pictures of the birds. Like, the absurdity of this stuff is really understated and never presents it necessarily as a comedy game. Um, But yeah, it definitely is very jazz punk-esque. Well, no, that's why I thought the jazz punk connection was interesting, because jazz punk is clearly a comedy game. It is hilarious. It exists to be funny. Uh... And this game has a lot of the same techniques and even some of the same theming and ideas, but isn't like it's funny. But the game isn't a joke in a, yep. in the way that Jazz Punk is. Like the, this game ends with your character being like shot, and it's played as an earnestly tragic thing as it cuts from like the consequences of this spy betrayal, uh, as you fall down in slow motion to your death, and it cuts to like. Uh, someone wins an olympic race or someone else gets murdered somewhere else and you feel the ripples of whatever these spy decisions being made are and none of it has any explanation none of it has any real like textual uh like context it is all tone and theme it's all just this is one of these stories and just the imagery of spy stuff and the feeling of falling down as like a character is betrayed comes through without having to do any of the like filling in the details you do that yourself Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's like deceptively uh 
well done like because of how broad it is you think oh this is this is i could go and make this game it's great but no it's it's so good <laughs> yep the the ways in which these like what you expect to be kind of like a very light hitman-esque game then in its last moments devolves into this like abstract presentation of cinematic storytelling in the way that this game and then 30 flights of loving really was like no games can be cinema in a way we haven't considered yet where you use editing and montage to create the exact kind of juxtapositions that film does uh is wild how it just like flabbergasts you as the player as your character falls to their death and even more than that like the final chase sequence as you go through and like platform around the world um just has moments where the action scenes rely not on your understanding of the space in the game but your understanding of the rules of chase scenes yep. like you get to a room uh you get to like a train tunnel and you have to run and catch up with uh, the person you're chasing and there's no reason for you to have to go to the side to dodge a train that's going to come the game doesn't warn you that's going to happen you just have to recognize that oh i'm in a train tunnel a train's going to come out of there because of course it will because that's what happens in train tunnels and these chase sequences uh there's this great moment where you land uh in a tunnel below and a train's going past and so you're both separated by this fence just kind of looking at yeah. each other yeah she's just waiting for it to go <laughs> Uh, and you can't do anything. You can't like take a shot at her. She doesn't take a shot at you. You just wait for the train to go together. And obviously it goes for her side first and she goes running off and you chase her. Uh, and then there's like that one scene where you fall down like a tunnel and you land in like this giant banquet God. hall where people are eating. God! And it, there's a moment where because of that scene, you're like, wait, are they doing the thing where like this has been some kind of trick all along? But no, in fact, what you do is you chase her to the to the door. And obviously you chase her by continuing to run on the table and crushing everyone's food. Yep. <laughs> and that door's locked, so she runs back to the other door, so you stay on the table, obviously. You could get off, but why would you? She also jumps on the table and then runs over everybody's food. Yep. <laughs> and so you jump back up and uh, follow her again, running over everyone's food as everyone's going... Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> yep, everyone's, like, everyone's identical head just tracking you as you walk through the space. It's really good. <laughs> it's really funny. And then you tur you like round a corner and she's just there waiting for you and shoots you and you fall off of like a railing that breaks. And that it is so good. The like framing of all of that. It's a really good game. Yep. Uh like as as we said, Thirty Flights of Loving is like a really uh it's a much more well known game, I feel like. Uh it's very popular, uh, you know, trendy. And I get why. It's like a bigger game. It has these a lot of these same ideas, and it's expressed with like a lot more um there's a lot more to it and also i feel like it's in many ways more successful at like telling a coherent narrative but in the like rough hewn like we're just going he's just going to get it done with like this engine and himself making this uh there's like a vitality to this game that uh like 35 to loving just doesn't have to it doesn't feel as raucous as gravity bone does mm -hmm. uh, yeah no uh 35 is loving is also G generically more of a like understandable specific like it's a heist movie thing um yep. whereas gravity bones weird spy fiction just it just feels more of a like less popular less more specific um a genre choice that we both mm. like a whole lot yeah one day we will play quadrado or cowboy yeah maybe i like i'd like to but i also am almost certain i'm not going to like it why 
Uh, because he spent like five years making that game, and by all accounts, it's a game that's like hard and not for most people, and I'm not sure it's going to be a thing I want to play. I don't know. I think it's okay. Like maybe it will be for us. I don't know. People, the people who like it really like it. I don't think this is going to be a Steven sausage roll situation. Uh, no, nothing is. <laughs> but uh, until then, it's all academic, I guess. Let's move on to our final game. Final game is Balloon Fight by Nintendo. This was developed by Nintendo Research and Development One, uh, designed uh, or programmed by Satoru Iwata uh, himself. Rest in peace. This came out in arcades in Japan in November 1984, and then on the NES January 1985 in Japan. Uh, it did not come out in North America until 1986, but whatever. This is considered one of the earlier NES games, or yeah, NES games specifically. Definitely not an early Nintendo game or a Famicom game but um, one of, like, in the first wave of releases for that console. Uh, you play a little balloon guy who flaps around and tries to attack other balloon guys. This is basically Joust, the Williams arcade game, uh, made by Nintendo uh, for their own console, because why would you pay Williams when you can just make the same thing yourself? Uh, this game went on to have a life of its own. Uh, it has a bunch of ports on, a, like, Japanese computers and stuff. There's a Game Boy sequel that I think has, like, an actual plot that I've never played. Um, there's, like, a Tingle version that was a Club Nintendo reward. It's in WarioWare a bunch. Uh, balloon fights all over the place. It's a very popular Nintendo thing. Uh, this happens to be one of my favorite, like, arcadey early NES games. Um, I like it a lot. It's got cute music. It's got cute graphics. I like the little balloon men. I picked this mostly because, you know, it's like we were playing small games. Balloon Fight's a game you can get the gist of within, like, 30 minutes. Uh, it's worth playing a That's little a, more. That is over overstating it. <laughs> if you play both modes and you want to, like, you know, enjoy, I don't know. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. Balloon Fight's you small. Jump, you, you jump up, you float your balloon, and you land on the other guy's balloon. Or you are on balloon... Uh, what's the mode called, the other mode? Balloon Trip. Uh, yes, or you avoid the spikes and collect the balloons. These are the only two things you do in balloons. They are, they, are, they are lightning sparks, not spikes. Oh. Because you go, rah, 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 and it shows your bones when you hit them. I guess it does do that. Yep. I just think of them as spikes because they look like spikes. Yeah, no, they're they're lightning. <laughs> okay. Balloon fight's pretty good. Yeah, it's like, the, of all the games we've played, it might be the slightest in a lot of ways, but also mm -hmm. because it's an arcade, like, basically port, it is full of weird mechanics and scoring and leaderboards and all the things you'd expect from a game meant to eat your quarters. Uh, it is incredibly designed to eat your quarters. Yep. <laughs> it's always weird because I grew up, you know, like... Uh, I, I was born in 85, but I didn't play games until like 89, 90. Uh, this era of game that's all about the, the like scores and the mechanics of like in Balloon Trip, if you get 30 balloons, the, a higher value balloon appears. Um, that's all kind of before I started playing video games. So while I can enjoy them, it's in like a very, not very, but in a somewhat removed academic sort of way where it's like, these games are good. They're not like what I think of as a video game, but they're good. Um and the the revitalization of like arcade style games in the indie space has not actually helped that at all. I still think of them as old style games. Mm -hmm. 
well yeah because like you the way of thinking of the balloon trip mode as this mode of a score collection thing yeah. is strange when in a modern context you look at it and think oh this is just an infinite runner yeah yeah like for sure the the game design exists as a, like that is a thing that just still exists that is almost identical but the design priorities of what you are meant to be focusing on has changed because of the way audience was have been expected to like approach games in this time mm-hmm. yeah uh and then like the main thrust of the game of course is the jousty mode where you're popping other balloons avoiding the damn fucking awful fish and avoiding oh, lightning f- bolts i hate those fish the fish is the fish is the worst the fish is so scary <laughs> He just goes back and forth. Yep, and he's he'll eat you. He will eat you. He usually does. Yeah, no, it's it's the worst. Uh, it's very much like the Big Bertha enemy in Mario Three, where that thing's just gonna come <laughs> and eat you. Oh, uh, Ness his, games. Yeah, historically, uh, the like really weird slash interesting thing about this game is the mechanics of the balloon flap are lifted almost wholesale for Mario swimming in Super Mario Brothers, and has been the same mm-hmm. way ever since. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you get really good at this game, you'll be really good at Mario Water levels because they're much less demanding than Balloon Fight. That's true because I'm okay at Mario Swimming, but I feel like Balloon Fight is a little harder, a little... Uh, like, I mean, the levels are harder, but it's also like it requires more A presses in order to get up. Yep. The the, the force of gravity is stronger than it is under in the underwater levels. That's true of being in real world as well. Yes, I know that. <laughs> but I was talking about a video game. Oh, okay. Well, I guess. Mm-hmm. Video games are real life, Jackson. Ah, that's true. I live them. You live I'm them. a gamer. You're a gamer. Hashtag gamers. Hashtag gamers. Oh, this is the worst. Why did we do this? <laughs> we did this mostly because Balloon Fight's this cool thing that uh, is an old game that has a lot of things that just remained just true and recognizable especially in the balloon trip section with it just being a runner uh but we also did this because we miss iwata <laughs> yeah uh if you don't know satura wada was a programmer he worked on he i mean he made balloon fight basically uh he worked on a bunch of games at hal and nintendo r d1 uh he he made kirby basically uh he worked on mario he worked on smash brothers he was a he was a big deal uh he saved earthbound i remember saved earthbound that. yes yeah uh <laughs> And when uh, Hiroki, I don't remember his first name, but President Yamauchi, the original president of Nintendo, when he created video games, uh, retired, uh, Satoru Iwata was tasked with replacing him and became like this strange, jovial uh, man who climbed the ladder from nothing. One of the programmers, like presidents in a way that is basically unheard of in all video games. Uh and seemed to just be a delight. He did a lot of asks where he interviewed his employees about the games they made that were very, they're full of uh, fun anecdotes and everyone clearly having a good time. Uh, he was on the Nintendo Directs. He unboxed a Wii U in the it's, most accessible ooh. to gamers ASMR video ever created. <laughs> Everybody has to go watch Iwata unbox a Wii U. It's very sad now to yes. watch it because you will miss him. And uh, uh, yeah, and unfortunately, uh, was that last year or was that 2015? Do you remember? 2015, mid 2015. Yeah, in 2015, he uh, died of uh, cancer, unfortunately, uh, which had been, like, kept really hush-hush. Uh, and uh, it was very sudden and surprising. And uh, everyone misses Iwata. If you cared about Nintendo and you followed, like, the company and its business and its promotions, I can't imagine you not caring about Iwata. 
Uh, I wasn't really, obviously, I was very young, so I didn't know the Yamauchi years uh, firsthand. But knowing the games from that, seeing the advertisements, seeing the way like the E3 stuff was uh, just went about its business, the shift from the Yamauchi era to the Iwata era was profound. Yep. Yeah, no, it was a lot. <laughs> uh, and I feel like even if the games keep being good like nintendo's gonna be fine it's nintendo they'll be fine they'll keep making games they'll keep doing stupid making stupid decisions that everyone hates and they'll keep making games that people like It'll, they'll remain nintendo for good and for ill yeah uh but the presentation of being open very needlessly about certain aspects of game development is something that is like no one else would bother doing the one us they don't actually sell any more games they they're extra work for no reason other than you know to do them uh the directs are going to stick around because they've done well but that wouldn't have happened like the way they present games wouldn't have happened if the like a water approach hadn't been going on so i feel like every he is one of the few executives that everyone like likes <laughs> yeah there's an awata puppet in the world because he was as a in a puppet and one of those <laughs> And we, there's a video uh, of, ge- the, uh, if you've heard of Game Center CX, it is the Japanese television show where, what's his name? Uh, Chief Arino, I don't remember his Chief, full name. Uh, yes. He's Chief a comedian Arino. who does this as his thing now. <laughs> yeah, he was a comedian that did this and now he just does this. He plays video games. Uh, it is a Let's Play type series where he has to go through old video games and complains a lot about how hard they are uh, because they're fucking hard. Um it's great. I've only seen a few episodes, but it is good fun. Though you, you will recognize him and the format from like images that have been shared around. And there is an episode on Balloon Fight where Iwata shows up, and it's it's fairly recent. It's like 2013 Iwata, mm-hmm. uh, and they interview like each other, and they both play Balloon Fight, and it's very sweet and it's very sad because Iwata's like, oh, I'd love to actually make a video well, game. You, again no, uh, Arino's like, oh. Uh, you should make a game, and he's like, "Well, I'm I'm very busy. I don't have time." He's like, "Well, what about what about download games? You can just make download games now. You could just work on that like an hour a day." And he's like, "Maybe someday I'll have the opportunity to make another video game." And you just, I was just sitting at work watching this, like crying openly. It's the worst. <laughs> Imagine Iwana like finishing up his CEO business for the day, going home and fucking working on a like game maker game. Nope. <laughs> the fish will go back and forward yet again. Nope. Uh, yeah, though the water thing's a bummer. We talked about it when he died, I, if I remember correctly. But it, yes. like it's been two years now, and it still sucks. And it, it's weird because like, uh, like I like I grieve Ryan Davis a lot, but like the Awada thing, I, maybe because like I, because it's so remote, and because he was in charge of so much of the things that I like attribute in my childhood and growing up with. Like it just feels like the end of an entire era. Um. Ooh. Like any one person who is like making stuff on the internet is a person who you're going to feel closer to, like the Ryan Davis stuff. That's been like I miss Ryan a lot. I miss watching his videos. But Iwata is someone who, and this is only true because Nintendo is the company. It is not like necessarily true of other people who are in charge of things. But so much of the direction of that company came from this one dude in this weird circumstance. Uh, such as whatever happens next will also come with like because they haven't chosen an actual replacement yet have they it's still temporary stuff no I'm pretty sure it's that business guy and then they divided a lot of like the other things between Miyamoto and a couple other people 
Oh, right. They did just choose some guy who went, I'm never going to show up for anything. Yeah, because they, because Awada was like a businessman who was a programmer who was like great at selling you things. And that needs to be three people now. <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah, so it is, isn't it? It is actually an end of an era in many ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Both because of Awada's passing and also because of natural shifts anyway that they happen to align with. Yeah. Uh, so it's yeah and it's interesting to go back and like play balloon fight and uh listen to this conversation with iwata and arena about it and like the ways things have changed and also the ways things haven't even changed a little bit yep uh it's a very it's like a really frank conversation about like iwata is just like a man who's clearly very busy and loves video games and is kind of sad that he had to be this guy now yeah, he's talking about, oh, I really wanted to be in video games and I didn't talk to my dad for like a year. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's amazing. Um, you should definitely watch it. We'll link it in the description. Uh, yes. Absolutely. If you if you follow any of the links that are going to be in here, um, watch that video and be sad. Please. And Please then watch Awada unbox a Wii U and be like, man, oh. that's so good. <laughs> and then watch that Xbox man unbox an Xbox One X. <laughs> Uh, sorry, you mean Larry Major Nelson Herb? Oh, is that who that was? Yes. Is that not just a random Xbox Do you guy? not know who Major Nelson is, Jackson? I do know who Major Nelson is. I just didn't recognize him by then because I haven't thought about Major Nelson in seven years. <laughs> uh, that's fair. I mean, I, I have not either, but I, I know Major Nelson when I see him. I know Phil Spencer when I see him. Uh, that's fair. Two watches. Uh, cavalcade of small games uh this is a bit of an experiment i think it went off rather well well don't you think jackson i would agree um we probably won't do this very often but it, you know it's nice I, I wish i had time for small games but honestly outside of games for game club or recording i don't really play a lot of video games anymore yeah but i don't think that's like a I, that that says something uh that sounds worse than it is like we fit our game playing in by connecting it to this that's true. You're, I mean, you're right, but also I wish I p- had time for more games. It's not that I wish I played more games, necessarily, because I could always sacrifice the other things I do, but I, yeah. I wish I had more time that I could fill with a bunch of other things and more video games. Well, that's just tr- that, that is just existentially true, always. What if every day was 36 hours long? What if it was longer? Uh, let's not get crazy. All right. I would I eventually get tired. 36 hours is enough time for me to be up to exhaustion and then sleep really well every night. Hang on, you, you don't mean, you don't mean what if time was different? You literally mean what if a day was 36 hours? Like the body, the amount of sleep you needed and required and the way your human body operated didn't change. Yeah, no. 
Okay, sure. Just 30 seconds. This is stupid. I, right. Then I get I get to stay up like six more hours, and I get to sleep like six more hours. This sounds good all around. There might be some holes in this plan. Oh, whatever. There are no holes. This is the perfect plan. Fuck you. <laughs> all right. Uh, we don't have any questions because we're recording this a week after we recorded the last one. We didn't even solicit any. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, next month, we are playing Final Fantasy X. We had been asked if we had any special hilarious plans for our episode 69. Uh, and the answer was no. Did someone actually ask that? Yeah, Crass asked us. Okay, good. God. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is serendipity. The planets have aligned to shine upon us on this day. Truly, it is nice. We are going to... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess I shouldn't have expected anything else, but good, good. Uh, we are going to experience the story of uh, Titus and Yuna, or Ti- is it Titus and Titus? I keep it's getting Titus. fucked up with it's Titus. It's Titus. You think it's okay. Titus? I always thought it was Titus, and they don't say his name in the game because you get to rename him for no good reason. But in Kingdom Hearts, it's Titus. Okay. Well, no, I always like remember Titus, but then think, wait, no, Titus is the wrong one, so I overcorrect. Yeah, but Titus. anyway. It has been worked out that that is going to be our episode. We are going to play through that whole game. That is, uh, We used to split our Final Fantasy episodes into two, but we're not doing that anymore. We haven't done that for a while. Yes. I mean, we haven't done a... Nine was the last long... Like, we went back and did the shorter games. That's true. I mean, six was... A, I wouldn't sell six that short. It was, a, it was a sizable experience. Yeah, but not in, like, the way that seven is. <laughs> Nothing happens in that second disc, in, in the second world. It's... We're not relitigating six right here, but um, strong opinions are had about that game. I played Final Fantasy X in 2005 on my college roommate's PS2 because I didn't have a PS2 until way late. Um, And I played through it and I played like 106 hours of it. And uh, I remember really liking that game. I'm very excited to revisit it. I know it's the one I know the most about story wise. Uh it is the one that I also know like weird things about how it differentiates from Final Fantasy. I've also been told things that I still, my body believes can't be true, like how it's basically 13 but good. So it, It's very much 13 but good. And I, I believe people, but I still can't make that link yet. Like that link, I don't know how that happens. I don't know how you get from 8 to 13. It's crazy. Editor's note, I have now played the game for about 10 hours and uh, yeah, that's true. That is a true thing. And now I know. Yeah, we are we are entering the last leg of our Final Fantasy adventure. Not Three Final Fantasy games. adventure, but our adventure in Final Fantasy games. Three uh, more games, and three then more. we're done. Uh, yep, uh, this is it. We're in the PS2 era. Please be excited. Uh, Destiny will probably be joining us, barring any disasters. Um, you and me, Jackson, we are playing this game on PC. Destiny will be playing on PS4. You can play it there. You can play the PS2 version. We don't care. It's all the same, really. Um, Just so long as you turn on original music. Yeah. I mean, if you're playing the Vita version and you don't have a choice, then I guess that's on you. Like, I get it. Whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you have the option, don't don't listen to Arranged. It's not what you want. Like, it's not bad, but it's not the songs. Yep. So that's it for us. Uh, come back in October for that. Jackson, please plug all of the things we do. Okay. All right. Deep breaths. Whew. I am at HeadfulsOff on Twitter. Uh, we are doing a bunch of other podcasts. You can find me on the Amory score. That is at I need mayo.com. We are going through the stories 
of the band Coheed and Cambria and their stupid comics. They're good. Is... It's good. It's dumb. <laughs> it's amazing. It's the worst. I highly recommend it. Yes. Uh, it is a podcast that you say the concept of, someone will go, what? But it's it's worked out pretty well. <laughs> the story of Mayo is good. Mayo Defton Wolf is my Darth Vader. This generation's <laughs> yeah. Darth Vader. The Darth Vader we deserve, yeah. but also the one we need right now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we also do Second Officer Slog. It is a Star Trek book club. It is also very silly. Uh, please look forward to the next episode for that. Uh, I think it, because we recorded this in advance, it will have just dropped. It will have is dropped that... three weeks ago. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, I also do... Um, we also do The Gundam Project. That is our new premium show. The Great Gundam Project. Uh, if you donate... One dollar or more a month on at patreon.com slash mapping. You can join us as we watch two episodes of Gundam a week. We will be on episode 10 by now, I think. Yeah, something like that. I hate recording this far in advance. That's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Uh, uh, we will also, be we will be like a quarter through Gundam by the time we record that episode. Or yeah, by the time true. it comes out. So. Where are you online? You can find me at em underscore being on YouTube. I've almost certainly finished life is strange by now um and i will be playing uh gabriel knight uh so please look forward to that going up on the youtube channel let's go to youtube type in abnormal mapping you'll get there uh people like my content i think so listen to it share it with your friends the patreon of course jackson said patreon.com slash abnormal mapping you get writing at five dollars every week uh we trade those off. It's usually pretty good. Uh, for $10, you can be in a podcast or tell us to do a specific thing. Just go read the thing. We do a lot of stuff. We're working towards our movie podcast, which uh, is like a stretch goal. We're going to hit, hopefully, in the next couple of months. And I'm uh, after listening to the Max Payne episode, I'm really ready for a movie podcast to come back on this network. The hilarious part is neither of us are going to be doing it together if we get what we want. <laughs> That's true. We have we have plans for how to make it work, with how to stretch the fact that we are doing a lot of podcasts, how to make all these things uh, work together. We might be on a couple episodes together, especially at the start before we've really got things lined up, but we have cool ideas for how a movie podcast could go, barring any scheduling troubles. Yep so that's it uh come back next time and enjoy the video games i'm so ready to talk about final fantasy 10 you have no idea i've been ready for years <laughs> yes i know i know i can't fucking believe we have to link death spank in the things discussed <laughs> we don't have to we can just let that be a mystery for all the kids out there and a knowing <laughs> nod to everyone who's been doing video games far too fucking long oh i'm sorry if you know yeah no I, I, i'm sorry i know so it works out that way and this podcast the podcast is ended
Oh